Hi, I'm Lisa Kennedy and you're listening to The Bra and the Brave. This podcast celebrates the creative and the courageous. I am fascinated by those who are talented, forward-thinking and inquisitive. Sharing their stories, wisdom and everything in between, The Bra and the Brave is about people and their passions. So on to today's episode. Got here eventually, but I want to say a huge thank you to Neil Thompson for being on the Bra and the Brave. Neil, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Uh, it's, it's great to, to also catch up with you. We've known each other for a good while, so it's it's good to have a chat and catch up and say hello. Do you know I was thinking about you recently because I was back in the church where we worked together when we did a production of Godspell the Musical. And it just brought all those memories back when I came into that church and I was like, ah, oh, remember that, remember Neil, remember that song. So yeah, so then, and then it was that moment of, I've no asked Neil to be on the, on the Brave, that's terrible. So you're here now, so I very much appreciate that. I, th- I feel as if it's just, it's meant to happen now, Neil. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I actually can't remember the year that that was either. I mean, Gospel, that was actually an incredible show for us as well. I thought the cast were exceptional uh, on that. And we, yeah, I think just there was so many different elements to that show that that came together with such a strong principal cast. We got, you know, just a, a great team that felt like they were totally on it and up for it. And and the band were great as well. We got great players in and just the venue. And it was just a it was just all the, the moving parts were just like click, 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 click. You know, You're right, it. it was, it really was. And just because, you know, on the altar of a church and the concept that we kind of wrapped around Godspell, um, you know, because a lot of people will say, oh, I don't like Godspell. And I'm like, no, like if you'd seen this production, it would have won you round for sure. Yeah, absolutely. We um, we did a great job. The cast did a great job. Everyone was totally invested. And that's, that's what you want whenever you do musical theatre and you put that hat on and you... You, you go for a show, that's all you can ask for. And it did so, so well. So true. And yeah, that was my first introduction to yourself when you were brought on as, as musical director for that show. Um, and then obviously got to know a bit about you and what you did out with that show. Um, but I feel as if there's just like a million things, because then over the years, as you follow somebody on social media and you meet, you know, you see somebody at events and different things, you're like, Neil does that as well. And Neil does that. And then... Quite shortly after that production, I then joined your wonderful choir, which is Music Choir Scotland, because I just, like, I think working with yourself and just uh, remembering the joy of communal singing and, and just that opportunity to not necessarily be in a show, although we end up being in a show, but um, just the chance to sing with other people. And I really missed it. I was in a choir when I was at school, so, um, which, you know, Music Choir was just such a joy. I loved it. I loved every minute of it. Um and I, I wondered, like when I was thinking about this, I was like, where did it all start for Neil? Was it musical direction? Was it the choir? Like, was it the rock band that we'll get on to? Like, where did it all start for you? Um, it actually, it, and, and, and not to not to answer that question with probably an answer that that may be a surprise or actually maybe a real curveball, but actually the, the true answer is my granddad. Um and ultimately, anyone anyone that listens to that that kind of question and asks themselves that kind of question, where did where did it all begin? You know, was there one person? Was there a moment? Was there a, a life changing? Like, oh my lord, this is where I've got to go with my life and career. Um, everyone will probably have a different answer to that, but for me, it was it was absolutely. Don't even need to think about it. It was it was my granddad um, who. Who sadly is no longer with us, but boy, was he was he an inspiration. Um, we we basically just enjoyed music together when I was just a wee boy, um, and he he funnily enough he handed me my first instrument that that basically just kick started my uh, my interest, um, and it was uh, an old rickety trumpet, <laughs> <laughs> and it was it was a it was a really old, damaged, bashed, scratched, dented, everything that could be wrong with the trumpet was his trumpet that he played when he was in World War II. And he wow. was in the Marine Band and he used to, well, he was he travelled the world, as you can imagine, with, um, with being in 
been in the army at that time and he came back and he talked to me about his travels. He talked to me about some of his experiences and, and his music. And, and that for me was like, wow, music can do that. Music can give you that kind of life. So he inspired me then to go, well, I wouldn't mind doing something musical. <laughs> yes. That's what happens, you know. So I started playing his old trumpet. Um, and maybe a year or two, and I could I could play it. He taught me how to play it. It then um, kind of inspired me to just enjoy it more. And he was such a kind of relaxed kind of man that encouraged you but didn't go over the top and just dropped in, why don't you play, try and play this little tune? And why don't you try to play this little tune? And, you know, and that's, that's all you need. You want, you want to be interested but have fun but yes. not be totally, you know, on it and being told and instructed and ordered around to practice, 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 you know. And for me, it was, it was granddad that, that was amazing for that. And then it kind of just snowballed from there. I then just got more and more interested and serious in, about music throughout school. Um, and then I was okay and decent and kind of good at music. <laughs> and then I, I left school and thought, yeah, it's the only thing I'm interested in. It's the only thing I can really do. And so um, the main major step in, in my kind of early days of music is, is then going to the Academy of Music in Glasgow. And, and went there. And, and from there on, it then all just unravels as... <laughs> As a, as a relatively successful music career so far. Uh, yeah. <laughs> That's so interesting because I've obviously I've never known that your first instrument was the trumpet because I've seen you play other instruments, but none of which were the trumpet. Yeah, well, I, I am on paper. I Academically, I am a, a first-study trumpet player, classical trumpet player, that, that if my, my studies at the academy um, went the way they should have, then I should really be an on on orchestral trumpet player. Um, and that is what I went to the building for. That's what I got um, allowed to do. Um, and so I, I should be a classical trumpet player and a, a pianist and use my trumpet and piano to do the majority of what my music is. But ultimately, I'm a, I'm a firm believer of you, you allow your life to develop, you allow your skills to develop, you allow your passions to emerge and passions that you had when you first started studying aren't necessarily going to be the same passions within that field 10 years later and so you allow your inspiration to come from yourself and your your heart and soul as to where do you love your music to be where do you love your passion to be where do you want it to go where do you want to go into and ultimately if that's not where you first thought it was going to start then that's fine yeah, absolutely. It's just about that, like you say, just going with your intuition and I guess through your studies, but also, you know, because you and your grandpa enjoyed music together, you're getting an education in music in terms of styles of music. You know, it's one thing what can be played in a trumpet, but then if you're learning piano and then I guess just growing up around music, um, you're going to have like a plethora of styles that you enjoy and things that you want to play. And then it's cool to be in a band and so when you were studying, were you just trying everything or were you down that pathway of, you know, I'm studying, I'm doing the trumpet and then come out of uni to go, oh, wait a minute, actually there's a whole world out there of music that I could be making and enjoying? I was, I was a little bit cheeky, really. I think it's probably the best way to describe it because I, I kind of, I don't know if this maybe sounds a bit cocky, but I, I kind of realised in the early days that that for me, um, you've, got to, you've got to use an amazing building like the RSAMD at that point, which is now the RCS in Glasgow. Um, you've got to use a fantastic building, and I will always give that building an absolute raving report because it is the leading place in Scotland for, for training you know, the, the most talented, creative people that we have. And ultimately, I was a bit cheeky because I knew that when I went in that building, I knew that, yes, I was a good trumpet player. Yes, I was a good piano player. But I knew before I even walked in that I wasn't going to be the best. And it's like, okay, so wait a minute here. If you know you're not going to be the best, you know, you know that you've got the passion for music, passion for, for performance, but you know you're not going to be in that top 10% of players, then what do you do? 
right? And I realized that, thankfully, before it actually walked in to that first day. So I thought, well, wait a minute. Surely then, if you've got access, you've got this opportunity, you've got to take the best bits from a building like this and create a career that you do think you could be something in, that you could have something to offer. So I quickly realized, well, I've got to take the best bits. I've got to allow this building to make me as good a musician as I can, as good a performer as I can be, and try and just construct something else. So what I what I then kind of did was I kind of had a double life. I, I created a second musical life out with the building. So I had trumpet and piano while I was there, and everyone yeah. knew me for being a trumpet player. I was a brass player. I was completely immersed in that and engaged and involved and committed and everything. And I did piano in there and I, I took every opportunity I could. But I also had an outside musical life that I knew, wait a minute, I'm really interested in singing and I'm really interested in playing the guitar. I'm really interested in non-classical music. I'm really interested in the band culture. I'm really interested in performance opportunities that aren't classical based, that the building would get the RCS that... You know, the Academy wouldn't approve of, shall we say, because they are classical music all the way. And that's that's what I got into. And that's what I was in the building for. But I thought, well, I've got, I've got this other passion to, to have that singing band performance, contemporary music, rock band thing <laughs> going on in the other side of my head. And I really see a potential in that. You know, by the time I by the time I went to the Academy, I've already written kind of two albums of my own songs before I went there. But that's not why I was going to the Academy. So I kind of like, oh. Both of them were kind of arguing with each other. Yeah. I knew they could exist side by side. And so that's what I did. I was absolutely committed to my trumpet and piano and that, that kind of straighter life, shall we say. But out with that, I went straight away and formed my own rock band. I taught myself how to play guitar. I was focusing on how to sing properly and that side of singing and that style of, of singing and performance. And basically I started creating a, a love for the whole rock band scene in Glasgow and had the two of them just running side by side. One was in the building and one was totally outside, you know, and it, and it totally worked. <laughs> well, it totally yeah, worked. and it seems so savvy. I mean, I totally appreciate that people you know, when they go to like the RCS or whatever and, you know, they're so focused on what they want to do and they've got their eye on the prize in terms of their speciality and it might be really niche, amazing, wonderful, you know, and they go on to have a career successful in that one thing. But like yourself, you obviously had a passion for trying various styles. You obviously enjoyed various styles of music. You were totally committed to those two worlds. But why not have those two worlds if you if you can? Do you know what I mean? Because now what you've carved out is this really successful career of all the things that you clearly enjoy. So you can have it all. Yeah, it's a bit of a juggling act, I'm sure. And one thing will take over for a while. You know, there'll be times where I'm sure music choir is like a huge focus for you. And then other times you're like, all right, OK, I'm now on a bookie gig and we're going abroad and we're jumping a plane. And that's a lot of organisation. But if you can, if you're a person that can do that and you can spin all the plates then why not it keeps things exciting yeah and a point then that we talked about a moment ago which is you know in the arts careers develop and careers move you in different directions some that you thought may happen and some that you didn't think would appear opportunities and 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 decisions that you've got to you've got to make and call where you never thought your career would go down that path and, and ultimately I then, which, which brought me together with, with you and, and other creative people, where after I left the Academy, I then went into the, the kind of amateur musical theatre scene and started playing trumpet in loads and loads of, of productions across Scotland. And, and that was the point then that, that eventually would snowball into me making a decision on not, not being in the band for shows, mm. actually leading shows, being a musical director and really embracing that, that chorus sound of a show and the choir sound within productions and shows and gigs and everything else. And so that's then years later, you know, it would maybe, I don't know, four years after leaving the academy, um, I then, instead of playing trumpet in the, in the shows, I would then 
really put my hat in the ring for musical directing. And I then went on to probably MD 25, 30 shows, from Lemez to Fame to Godspell to Guys and Dolls to Annie to Wizard of Oz to Bugsy Malone to various things. It's a long list, I can't remember. <laughs> um, so all of these things. Um, and then at that point, I, I loved the whole working with solo artists. I loved the, the, the experience of working with singers and performers and actors and then choruses, you know, and, and that idea of working with the cast, all working on really, really high standard of, of chorus singing and harmonies, then, then really gave me the nudge to form music art. And then in 2011, that was the moment that, um, that I thought, yeah, we could, we could form a really modern contemporary adult show choir and, and really just embrace the, the high standard of what chorus singing can be, you know? And it is though, ultimately, music choir was all about getting everyday people that just love to sing. It's not about professionals. Um, it's about passionate people. It's about passionate people that love to use their voice and sing lovely songs and make great songs that we all know and love from every genre. And that, that is exactly what music choir is all about. It's just your mums, your dads, your aunties and uncles, somebody that just loves to sing a song. You have nailed it. And because someone who forgot how much they enjoyed singing, you know, singing was like uh, my world before the dance took over kind of thing for a, for a long period of time. And then I just let the singing go. And, you know, my, my dad, for one, is always going, you know, picked up the guitar, you know, sang a song recently, you know. And when that opportunity arose to join Music Choir as a hobby, like, because a lot of the things that I do end up turning into jobs. So when I heard about Music Choir from yourself and I was like, I'm going to do that. And Lindsay and I went along and it was just brilliant because it was so inclusive. Every walk of life was there, but it was still very, you know, it was obviously very organised. You were still getting that beautiful sound. There was the octos, the sopranos, you know, it was very, it was still that beautiful choral sound. Um, it wasn't just everybody singing a nice wee song. The, the arrangements were beautiful. The, like you say, the music, there were so many different styles of music. And then on top of that, that kind of show element, then obviously Greg, mutual friend of ours, then it was the choreography and but everybody was involved. So it wasn't scary for anybody, you know, as a dancer, I'm like, great, we get to move as well. But everybody seemed just totally up for it and everybody was nurtured and embraced in that environment. So you weren't looking around the room going, oh God, some folk are hating this because they don't like to move. It was just like, we all move together and it's going to be great and we're going to enjoy ourselves. And I, I, I honestly, I loved my experience with music where I thought, I, I, you've just got the right recipe. You've just nailed it. And that's the thing, you know, all, all of the above is, is ideally what I, I hope everyone feels about it. And, you know, we've had hundreds and hundreds of people come through um, Music Choir and, and so many members have gone on to really em embrace uh, a professional um, stance in, in performing music and you know, have gone on to, to form bands and be in shows and be in groups that then have gone on to to, to take it really seriously. Um, and that's 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 great, you know, that's that's down to them. And, and if I've been a little part of, of their nurturing, you know. Yeah, well it's a musical education in that. Do you know what I mean? There'll be people coming along not understanding necessarily how that sound is created and then you're building it up and you're hearing all the, the things being layered, you know, and then there is movement. It's that confidence boost as well. And I think, you know, if you are somebody who is passionate about something that I guess as an adult, you've maybe had to park for a while, you know, you've become a parent or work gets in the way and you find that love again as an adult, um, it is a massive confidence boost and it must be just lovely for you to see people come yeah. through the choir and just, First and foremost, obviously enjoy it, but then maybe go on to do other things as well. Yeah, and I've always said I've got the best seat in the house when <clears> do gigs and and where you know I mean I remember you did the the ABC gig, yes. didn't you? That was amazing. Um, that was awesome. I loved it. What a venue! And sadly, we'll never get to play there again. But you know, venues like the ABC and venues like the Royal Concert Hall and you know the Hydro and Usher Hall in Edinburgh. You know, there's there's so many different venues that that for different requirements have involved music choir over the years and, and that's that's a great thing you know one moment we're doing a really modern show in the abc um or or um or the hydro and the next we're doing a kind of backing choir role for a west end touring show and being more of a, of a 
from a kind of musical theatre chorus role, you know, and that's that's good. And it's it's a it's a lovely, lovely thing that we've been able to do that, and, you know, since since 2011 to be able to build it mm. and to still have you know such a, a great rapport with all of our members, and um, along with that, continue. Here, here, and it, but you know, it's not everybody that can direct like that. Do you know what I mean? Like it's one thing being you know being a great player. It's one thing you know being a great performer. It's another thing to lead people, you know, to make them feel safe in that environment, especially if they're not professionals. And again, it was very much your your nature when we were working together that obviously made me want to come to Music Choir. And then just that continued, like everybody that was involved and everybody that was supporting you, like like the likes of Greg, it was just felt like a almost like a family. And I, we get that obviously in the like Amdram shows and stuff where everybody's just so tight and working together for the common goal. And I, I think that's what music choir is as well. And, you know, we as new members, we were very much welcomed. It wasn't like them and us. You know, it was just very much everybody comes in and just gets on with it and, and you know, enjoys that's, being together. I suppose it's, it's something I've never really thought too much about. Um, and it's, it's interesting that you... You mentioned that, and it's lovely to hear, lovely words to hear, that ultimately, you know, people feel comfortable, but nurtured and encouraged. And 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 it's it, it down to, I suppose, having that right approach of how you speak to people and having worked in so many shows in the pit and playing for MDs, playing for teachers, and knowing how other professionals talk and how we've all had experience of how people haven't got it right. And how yep. people people talk to adults, and it's it's not encouraging, it's not comforting, it's you're not nurturing people, and ultimately that's that's where the mistakes are made. And I knew that I I wanted to get it right, and thankfully it's been right. You've nailed it. You've nailed it. And it is lovely to see that you know things are starting to come alive again. We're seeing live performances, and it's just a, a hope and a wish that you know, we can all get back to doing what we love to that degree again. Because I think it was just solely missed. I'm, I mean, I'm sure you did the zooms and the all the nonsense that happened during. Yeah, I mean, for COVID. me, for me, the the big thing that was missing in when COVID arrived um, was was the other major part of my music, which is the hooky. Um, and ultimately, you know, the hooky is a major, major part of my musical life and. And my life overall, I suppose, and that you know, it's it's something that I've been really, really proud to be a part of, and I I wasn't even in it from the beginning, you know. So, so the the, the founding member and, and creator of it all is, is Scott Arnott, who is the drummer extraordinaire um, himself that has has really um, he he created it and founded it for a good few years, and then brought me in. I'm still in the early days, really, just to, to to do a few things. To first of all, bring in singing, proper vocals, and really kind of just embrace that whole singing with the folk rock band thing. But at that point, we were we were still very very folky, and and then him and I basically just thought, I think we can do a load more with this, and basically take take the hooky into a place that that. No one else really at that point, and I don't really think anyone still has, if I'm being honest, <laughs> has taken Bahuki into a place and in a style of music that nobody else has, has done, which is that that all-out energetic rock, Celtic, folk, Cayley band thing. And, you know, very, very early on, we thought, right, let's let's just totally refresh all of this. Let's... Let's bring in fiddle, bass guitar, electric guitars, you sing in front of it. And obviously Scotty as a powerhouse, as a, as a drummer, is incredible. Um, and then properly embracing the, the inserts of the songs and the samples and the loops and the beats and really keeping it fresh. You know, so ultimately you've got a, a folk rock band with a fiddle um, and you're, you're putting in Rage Against the Machine, Snoop Dogg, um, Faithless, uh, David Guetta, Calvin Harris, um, well, I am Rag and Bone Man, Billy Eilish, Coldplay, Kings of Leon, all of that stuff thrown into a Bahuki set while people are doing a Kaylee or while people are coming to hear the band, you know, is actually the reason why Bahuki are 
so successful. I think we grabbed it before anybody else. Mm. We grabbed that style and that theme, that concept before anybody else. And nobody else has been able to, I know I sound cocky right now, but it's, it's kind of fact. I mean, ultimately, you know what I mean? It's like, you know, I don't know anybody else that has even tried to get close to how much of a statement we've made with that sound, you know, and I think, and that's, that's down to Scotty and I just going, right, I think if we're going to go for it, let's just go for it big and bold and all out rock Cayley band that embrace all of those artists while you're doing a Cayley and let's just get it out to everywhere. And ultimately that's, that is why the band are so popular and that's why we do so many gigs. Well, it's keeping tradition alive but putting a new slant on it so, so but, you know my early career as a, a dance tutor and choreographer I worked for a Scottish dance company and my remit was basically to make Kayleigh cool so I, I, I was based in Alaba and I was working in the community and I was supposed to go into schools and work with community groups and basically just keep the traditions alive so Kayleigh and Highland and, and kind of step dance trying to make it cool again the first thing I did was basically teach Kayleigh dances to the likes of Black Eyed Peas or I would take a, you know, a Michael Jackson song, we'd do Smooth Criminal, but it would be like the Dash Mike Sergeant or whatever, you know, and mostly the response was great. Like young people were enjoying it in schools, we were doing it for part of their Christmas parties or whatever, but it wasn't your traditional necessarily songs. And then eventually I would maybe use like people fairies or, you know, music or salsa Celtica or something that people were like, all right, okay, I get you. Because it was that feeling that Kayleigh wasn't cool. And I'm like, no, but it is, it is. It just moves, it, it, you know, but it was just this idea, especially with young people, it was like, oh, we get made to do it at Christmas, so it's no cool. Um, but I remember that there was sometimes a wee bit of a resistance to it. You know, it was like, oh, these are the traditional dances and you shouldn't. And I'm like, these dances have evolved over time. They've been passed along like stories do, and they grow arms and legs. Like, these dances didn't necessarily start off the way that you think they did. Like, that's that's how art art should evolve. Like you should be able to put stuff onto it, and it should take a different form. But you're still carrying the tradition along with you. You're just making sure that the next generation of people appreciate it and enjoy it. Yeah, and ultimately, if if people are are you, if you're trying to show create interest in Kayleigh dancing, and the only music that you choose is old traditional music and people switch off from it, then what do you do? You've lost them. Because if you're saying there's no other options apart from old traditional um, Kaylee folk music, and that's all we're going to listen to, like it or lump it, and they say, well, lump it, then you've lost them. And ultimately, you're you're slowly allowing a generation to turn their back on Kaylee music and Kaylee dancing. And then before you know it, Kaylee dancing has gone. Which is like a travesty, like that can't happen. Do you know what I mean? Because there's so much joy at Akili. Like, I mean, I'm desperate to go to yeah, a Bahuki gig, like it needs to happen. Like, because any footage I've seen, I'm like, I'm there. It looks yeah. amazing. It looks so much fun as well. I'm sure it's like huge amounts of fun for you on stage. Like just that, um, yeah. that response you must get from the crowd because they are up and they're on their feet and they're interacting. It's not just a stand and watch gig. Yeah. And that's, that's the thing we, you know, if, if Music Bar gives me the best seat in the house, then <laughs> with the hooky, I'm at the front with the best seat in the house. <laughs> Just watching, you know, the gigs that we do and wherever. I mean, we, we, we've done, we've actually done bigger, bigger shows in, in Aberdeenshire than we do in kind of Glasgow. And the shows that we do up there, you know, it, it is just like an aircraft hangar filled with folk doing a big rock killing. Yeah. And you just, you, it takes you like a good while to actually put your eyes across to every inch of the room up there. Um, and so I'm just standing there playing Prodigy or Rage Against the Machine or Snoop Dogg. And you've got hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people doing a Dash and White Sergeant, loving Love life. It. And it's like, well, that's, that's all you can actually ask for. Yes. Because you've got mixed generations. Mm. And that is also something we can't forget. You've got mixed generations of people that love it or are possibly being introduced to it going, I've never heard of Bahuki before or I've never seen Kayleigh dancing being done like that before or oh, we were at this Bahuki gig last year, you've got to come along and see this. And before you know it, they're like, I didn't know Kayleigh dancing could be as fun as this. you know. And it's like all these generations that are coming together at these shows that it's like, well, that is what it's all about. That is what the future is for Kaylee music still being accessible and still being kept alive and, 
And it, 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 as you said a minute ago, it has to be about keeping music fresh. And it starts in the schools as, as you're clearly doing an amazing job at, at that and, and, and bringing new concepts, new sounds into primary schools that are being taught Kayleigh dancing for the first time. Break the rules a bit, and that I mean, like, just be a bit cheeky, like you said earlier on. Just break the rules. Just like try stuff out, experiment, because that's how things will be adopted. I think it's really important just to that experimentation it is creativity. That's what it is. That's what you're doing. You're being creative. Absolutely, and and yeah, and it's it's been a it's been a band that has not 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 just been successful here, but it has given us so many opportunities to travel abroad. Yes, I and do see the jet set in like, airport <laughs> <laughs> selfies. I'm like, oh, where are they going now? They're off to Dubai again. Yeah, so I mean we've, you know, we've been we've been doing a, a tour of the Far East now for probably about eight years. You know, going going across there is is as you can imagine an eye opener. Um because you're taking a band like us and our music into, you know, we do Bangkok and Thailand. We do um, Singapore, we're doing Bali, we're doing Jakarta and Indonesia. And we've been doing that now for about seven or eight years, as I say. And it's, it's, it's amazing that you think, well, we're clearly not just, you know, doing something that is, is just like Kelly dancing. You know, we're clearly doing something that has international appeal and, yeah. and, it's, and it's, it's working. It's, it's amazing to travel to there and we've, we just did a show over in Barbados last month, um, which was amazing to play at the, the Barbados um, Celtic Arts Festival over there. Um, done stuff over in Scandinavia and done Norway three times. Um, Dubai, we generally play every January as part of foreign celebrations. Mm-hmm. Um, done stuff in Italy and we've been to Pakistan twice. That's well. amazing. We've done two shows in Islamabad. So, you know, trips like that. Um, we're actually heading to France next week. <laughs> so, <laughs> south of France next week for um, for a wedding over there, um, and it's 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 lovely. Doing what you love with other people who love what they do. You know what I mean? Just and, and bringing joy to other people, bringing people together. Like that is the power of music. And then you know, add the dance element of it. You know, it's like a an invitation to get on the floor and enjoy yourself. Um, and like language, you know, the language of music. It it, it kind of transcends any language barriers you know you're bringing people from all over the world together you're going to different places learning new cultures but you're all united in the fact that you just enjoy this great music yeah and that's the thing though that scott and i are are passionate about and that we don't we don't take it for granted mm. you know we're we're always we're always asking ourselves the question of you know how how do people enjoy this do they enjoy it and what bits do they enjoy more than other bits and is this bit as good as it can be? Are we being as effective as we can be? And that passion about not just what we do, but making sure that we don't let anything slip. You know, we're passionate about always keeping high standard, high standard performance and arrangements and being just as effective as a band, as a performer, as musicians, you know, and that, that passion of always trying to just be a couple of steps ahead of, well, wait a minute, is this, is this good? Is this yeah, this is good, right? Let's keep going. And it's just that... It's that, still working. The formula is still working. Yeah, and it's just, right, is there anything that we could do that's just, you know, are we all... Is every part, you know, I'm talking earlier on about the, the moving parts that come together to make something. We're always aware of, is everything as it should? Hmm. You know, well, it keeps so, it interesting for you, I guess. Do you know what I mean that creativity aspect that you're not just going through the motions? And obviously the opportunities that is afforded you, I guess... If you think back to yourself just about to go into the RCS, where you had that epiphany of, I know what I've got to do when I'm here. Like, now you're just patting yourself on the back. So you're like, well done, Neil, for having that premonition of what I need to do. Because now you have these plates that you can spin. You can do Bahuki, you can do music choir, you can step into an MD role if you want to do a particular show, if you're approached and you're like, you know what, I fancy that project. And it's that, you know, option to just, be able to get behind these different steering wheels and just go right. Let's do it. I'm doing this now. Yeah, and and I would, I would send it full circle still back to the academy, and say thank you for that because um, you know everyone, and not not to not to put a kind of negative slant on on chat right now, but not everybody 
approaches going to the academy the right way. You know, I think there's there are there are many people that that think that a building like that owes them something, and that the the hard the hard job is to is is getting in. And you think then, well, all I need to do is just do my years here, have a great time, and a job will be handed to me. Or or because I've trained at a building like that, then I'll get I'll get the work. But it doesn't work like that. Newsflash. The hard part, yes, is getting in. But an institution like that, you know, the RCS gives you so many elements of training and, and it sculpts you into the, the kind of musician performance that that they think you want to be. Um, and that's that's fine. But if if you're if you're not as I said earlier on, if you're not in the top ten percent of of your instrument or your you know your year, um, then you've you've got to work out how you're going to get a job and how you're going to make it work once you leave you know an institution like that. And if you haven't worked it out, then you're probably going to start to resent the building and the academy and think, well, that's it's failed me. And it's like, well, no, no, they really haven't. They really haven't. You know, you've got to, you've got to work that out and, and you've got to work it out very, very quickly. You're either going to go all guns blazing, all out and be the best and be in the top 10% and, and then, rightly so, the work will, will come to you. But, you know, through my time there and, and after I left, you know, there are too many people that, that viewed that building the wrong way and, and viewed going to the academies as thinking that it would owe you a career. And it's not, it's not like that. You know, you've really got to work it out yourself and, and either go for it or, or work out a kind of second option, you know, a plan B. Mm. It's still, still in the creative, you know, still in music, still doing something. And some people quickly worked it out and some people not so much. But, but yeah, for me, it was an amazing building and it, and it did, you know, incredible things. And as, as an institution that, that is there to, to, to train, um, I felt I got so much from it. And I will be forever grateful. Well, that's nice to hear. That that is because yeah, you dedicated you know years of your life to go and study and further your your education. So it's nice to hear that you still are you know you're grateful for that opportunity and that you did embrace it. Um, yeah. And it gave you the the tools to set you up. But to me, it sounds like you you've grafted and you continue to graft. Even when you were talking about Bahuki there, and you were saying you know you're not resting in your laurels. You're always trying to make things better. You're always trying to improve. That's that hunger that passion that's still there that you're not just in it for the money or well oh you know we know what we're doing here we'll just turn up and do the thing you know is when you start to do that and you're losing the love for it but for me it sounds like you that's not your attitude towards what you yeah. do and i mean don't get me wrong there are people that are doing music right now and are very very good at it but they've possibly lost the, the passion and the love for it and they they do see it as a well, I'm in it now. I earn money from doing gigs. I'll go with the flow, right? Okay, where do you want me to be? Right, how much am I getting paid? Right, okay. And they're just going through the motions because they're, they're now within that that lifestyle and, and they've, lost, they've lost that love and enjoyment and that passion and the, the smile that music should put on their face. They just see it as a, as a job and another wage. And that's, that's fine. <laughs> of course, totally yeah. Fine. I mean, I'm not, I'm not judging people because, like, we all get bills to pay. Do you know what I mean? You, we can't all be picking and choosing. Do you know what I mean? Like, I'm sounding here as if I'm like, you know, very. I'm in a very privileged position to be freelance and be working. But yeah, I think there's. I think you need to. You need to find a way to generate that passion for yourself. Whether you're doing something in your spare time or you're stepping away from music at other points to do other things that build that passion back in, finding the joy wherever you can get it. I mean, I think. Going back to going back to a thing that you said there that I'm not resting on my laurels and I'm I'm always trying to just make sure that I'm pushing myself or that I'm I'm showing that I'm still passionate about music. I would I would then kind of go on to to mention that an, an example of that for me is is what I've just taken on. So yeah, I just I just thought, well, I'm clearly not doing enough in my life. So I thought, well, I've got to do something <laughs> to, to fill my hours and days. Um, so I thought I would 
launch a, a brand new rock orchestra called Symphonics. Basically, that is that's my 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 new passion to sit alongside music choir and Vicky. And it's yeah, it's Symphonics launching in the Battlelands. So you know, not just like a be <laughs> like a wee back room in a pub. <laughs> yeah. So I I could have gone small, but that's that's kind of me either really i thought well if you're going to go for it then let's go big and bold which you've heard me use that phrase before big and bold is exactly what i've gone and done basically 30 30 performers and so we've got a great string section amazing brass section we've got a rock band funnily enough it features some bahiki players and nine amazing singers as well that that i've had the pleasure of working with over the years and together um, we've got an amazing percussionist as well in Joanne McDowell. Um, yeah, combined, we're, um, we're going to be launching Symphonics 26th of August this year in the Barrowlands. So, um, yeah, anyone that's listening, um, come along. Yes, we'll put all the links in the show notes so that people can yeah. get their tickets. Yeah. But for, for Symphonics, it's, uh, I mean, to say that it's an exciting new venture doesn't really um, say enough. It's... <laughs> It's basically embracing my my love for performance, very much so linked with, with my involvement in musical theatre over the years, combining that with my love for, for rock music, combining that with my background as a, as a classical orchestral player, um, and, and just my love for gigs and shows, and, and basically combining that all together, you've got a rock orchestra, playing the most amazing, well-known rock anthems that all of us have ever known. You know, so it's a hugely exciting to put that on stage next month. Rehearsals have started. Um, you'll have seen photos. We had a photo shoot a couple of months ago, so pictures are going up all the time of the performers, string players and singers and all of those. Um, so, yeah, rehearsals have started. Arrangements are, are just being finished off. Um, and we're basically just now tidying things up and just doing rehearsals and just yeah putting it all together and and obviously the thing that's different about all of this is that Scotland has never had anything like this before it's not just fair to say that Glasgow hasn't but Scotland have never had this kind of high-end rock orchestra thing before it's amazing then that we're bringing you know the leading players and singers from across the country together to basically do this, you know, mm -hmm. and to, to go all out, you know, there's, you know, amazing arrangements, you know, we're doing stuff like Led Zeppelin to Rage Against the Machine to Metallica to ACDC to Aerosmith. And we've also got to put in a little bit of musical theatre, kind of. So we're doing a really crazy, messy, rocked up version of Lady Marmalade from the oh, yes. And so we're doing um, Lady Marmalade mixed with... Walk This Way by Aerosmith, mixed with Smells Like Teen Spirit by Nirvana, and basically just chucking everybody on stage and going, right, listen to this, you know? <laughs> and it's just like, wow, you know, it's great. And just doing a bit of Prince, a bit of Coldplay, um, Bit of Sweet Symphony, you know, a bit of uh, Toto Africa. I won't give the full set list away, but, you know, some huge, huge numbers. And... It's, it's going to be great. It sounds to awesome. To launch it for the Barrowlands is, is really the only place we could launch it. So is the plan to continue after that that, that gig to just yeah. build on that plan, and do different venues? To, to basically get that first gig under our belt and ultimately it's, it's, it is the world premiere. It is the debut performance of the whole thing. No one's ever seen it before. No one's ever heard it before. So it's, it's a way for us to capture everything that happens on that stage on that night and and then to take it further and to basically take it around the country and just do different shows in different venues and, and just see where we can where we can go and for Scotland that's a really exciting thing that it's a real homegrown act made up of homegrown singers and players and performers and and it's obviously it involves a lot of people on stage and behind the scenes you know you're sold <laughs> only get my ticket but are there any other itches that you haven't scratched? Because it sounds to me that you obviously get a bee in your bonnet and then you're like, and I'm doing this, and then you go all out. You know, is there the one thing you're like, if I had the time, if I had an eighth day of the week, I would I would scratch that itch. 
it kind of comes back to that that moment I was sitting with my granddad years ago going, music's the only thing I can do. Sitting with my granddad playing the school back trumpet going, well, I'm okay at this. And then you realise, actually, I'm good at this. I think I, think I can play the trumpet. <laughs> you know, and that whole thing of, you know, as you're asked throughout the years, if it wasn't music, what else would you do? What would be the other career that you would have mm-hmm. gone into? And I, I actually am as boring as you can imagine where there's no there's no other answer I can give. You know, I don't think that's boring music. at all. I think that's that's a gift it's, that you found yeah, a thing you love. It's the only thing I was interested in that I, sh- I showed I could do. It was the only thing that I was any good at. And so if if it's not music, then it's not really anything else. Do I do I think that there's another musical thing that I could do? Well, I never thought I would be doing symphonics a couple of years ago, but I'm now doing it. So, so I may think of, an, of another thing, another symphonics to do, but I think for the people that are involved in symphonics, I think that would be an injustice for me to think. <laughs> I think I like, just, do, just, just stick with this one then. Yeah, I'll do symphonics next month in the Barrowlands, but after that, I'm done. No, that no, no. would be unfair. <laughs> no. So, so, no, I'm in it. I'm in it for the long haul. And after the gig's over, then we'll be we'll be looking to pick something else and, and roll with symphonics um, alongside music choir and and bahuki, obviously. But I can't I can't really think of any other musical um, itch because I think it's safe to say that I've I've got enough going on. I think you do. I think though, if anything, I wouldn't rule out returning to a musical theatre MD role. I would, I would love to to go back and MD a great musical again. Um, Is there any musicals that you haven't MD'd that you'd be like, well, that be that be uh, Just a good musical one, you know. If somebody said to me, Neil, do you fancy MD in Greece? I think I would. I think I would. <laughs> and folk are going to be listening to this going from Greece. Um, it's fine, and I love going to see it. Um, I've seen some incredible productions of Greece, but um, for me, I'd just love to go back and do a good musical one. Maybe a Miss Saigon or... <gasps> yeah. I would end you, Dear Evan Hansen. Oh, nice one. Yeah. yeah that's, just put that out in the universe, see if it bounces back at some point. Yeah. I'm sure <laughs> in 20 years when it's taken off the West End and it's released for amateurs, um, someone someone will get it. And I would, <laughs> I would end you, Dear Evan Hansen. Mm. If you were to pack one song, and I know that'll be extremely difficult. One song or one tune that you think is the soundtrack to your life so far? Could you pick one? Talking about your musical life, because obviously you have a personal life, yeah. I'm sure, somewhere in there. Yeah, I I would find that that an impossible mm. question to answer. But is there one song that just is significant for a particular reason? Maybe a turning point in your career or just that, like a total highlight gig where you're like, I will just never forget that moment. And I know there'll be several moments like that, but just one that even just in this conversation that springs to mind. There is a song that, that springs to mind that I, I remember getting quite upset when I heard it done by Music Choir years ago. Because years ago, there was, there was a member in, in, of Music Choir that was going through a particularly hard time with her son. And I, as would not be a surprise, I didn't really know about it because not everybody talks about their problems or their concerns in, in the personal life. And they come to Music Choir for, for a release. You know, they come to music choir as a as a moment to be able to switch off and and be in something for them. And it is, is that is that moment that it's their time and it's their moment to just lose themselves in something that they they feel passionate about and that they love and they it, it connects with with their heart and soul. And that if that's what music choir does for so many members, which which I know it does, then that that's an incredible thing. And I remember speaking to 
a, a Lydian music choir that, that came up after one of our, our shows and thanked me for performing Fix You by Copeland. And she, she started getting upset. And it was all because her son was critically ill. And for her, the song represented her, her turmoil, basically, at not being able to fix her own son. And sadly, she lost her son a year later. And it was just a moment that the song has never really been the same for me since because we sang it in that concert. And I, I saw that she was upset, but I didn't know the background until after. Mm. And then we actually performed it twice after that. And she was in those performances. And I, I, and I, I actually don't know how she managed to, to hold it together enough to be able to sing the song, knowing how that song, what it meant to her, you know, in that, that moment of realising that the song had connected with her and that it, it shows how upset she was that lyrically the song represented a message that she couldn't actually fix her son. She couldn't do enough to make him better again. The power of song and the power of music like that, that it, it can have such an impact. And looking across on that, on those those concerts that she did after she told me, um, you know, you, you have a new level of respect, knowing what she's going through and knowing what she's going through when she's also on, on stage singing a song that connects with her, you know, every, every bit of her connected with the lyrics of that song. So, yeah, that, that was a song that at that point really resonated with me and made me just appreciate what music choir means to people, yeah. what music choir meant to her. And even though she was going through such heartache, it was still something that she felt she needed to do to come to music choir rehearsals and be on that stage and perform that song three times and have the strength to do it, knowing that behind the scenes she was going through such anguish and emotional upset. It, it, it really was an incredible moment. Yeah, it's a really special thing that you've created and obviously it means a lot to you that people do come and give off their time and their energy and that they feel you know that that is a space for them and yeah you you won't necessarily get to hear all the stories and the reasons why people end up at music choir and, and the connections you know you'll hear snippets I'm sure but yeah it must just be lovely to know that people do find solace in it and they find confidence they'll be I guess they'll be finding all sorts of things that you could never imagine just that you know that they need at that time in their life and it you know that is obviously the gift of music I always think like I'm working with an MD just now we're doing a summer school at the Theatre Royal and I think it's just like such a gift to be able to walk in a room and be able to like play an instrument like a piano or a trumpet or whatever it is and just get people singing or humming along or just bring people together it is like such a gift and it sounds to me like you've totally embraced that gift and nurtured your own talent and your love for it to create like a whole not just like not just a career but like a life for yourself the experiences you've had going abroad and working with lots of different interesting people and yeah it's like it's amazing what you've what you've curated and created yeah and you know music art is such a huge part of of my life and my musical life that has brought together so many people that absolutely cherish it you know and I think the idea of of being part of a family. You know, you used the word family earlier on. And I do feel that that the family actually is everyone. It's not just the production team. Yes, we've, we've got some incredibly talented and committed people that are part of the production team, like Greg Robertson, who has been with us from day one and has been choreographer for us since 2011. And what a talent he is. He's he amazing. Board, you know, to... As a, as a huge supporter and even people behind the scenes you know that we've, we've had helping us with, with Lorna Williams and stuff who has been such a huge support and, and helping everything behind the scenes with, with concerts and, and members and just everything you know but just, I think if you're a good person doing good things like that 
you know that generates that that interest that energy and people gravitate towards that do you know what I mean it's what you've created that people want to be a part of it because it's not just that oh we get to stand on a shiny stage and sing like you know you have to turn up to rehearsals you have to be you have to do the graft before all the shiny sparkly stuff happens you know and that's obviously what you've created that nurturing family vibe that you're a positive person doing something that you're passionate about and you you radiate that that, that draws people towards you I'll just say yes. <laughs> yeah, take it. Take it. I like, honestly, I think it's wonderful. And I love that you have, you're spinning all these plates and you're doing all these things that you love. And it's kind of ticking all the boxes for you. And um, yeah. in terms of like the podcast, obviously, now you're in the, the clan, like, you know, I'll be promoting all the things. So, you know, people know that when you can sign up for Music Choir, they'll know the details. And when the next Bahookie yeah. gig, the details Absolutely. will be there. You know, and then obviously, Symphonics will get the, the link. Yeah, um, I mean, on the show notes so that everybody can come along and just rock out. Yeah, new members are absolutely always welcome for, for Music Choir. Where for those people that, that don't know the, the finer details of what, what Music Choir um, does, you know, we're about to start back in September. Um, and we have two choirs we have a Glasgow choir rehearsing on a Sunday night, and we have an Ayrshire choir rehearsing on a Wednesday night. And basically, our plan is to move towards. Um, concerts in December um, and basically just rehearse once a week and we will build a set list of songs and favourites and anthems that we will all absolutely know from a mixture of genres um, and, and look to perform them in a concert in, um, in December and for Symphonics, yeah, it's the, the big launch, the big gig in the Barrowlands on the 26th of August. So Come and have yeah. your face melted, <laughs> as they yeah. say. <laughs> Yeah, it'll be a big sound. I don't think you'll miss it. Yes, I'm excited <laughs> already. Now, Neil, you have been so gracious with your time, but before yeah. you pop off and I'll let you have a life again, I do a thing called the Hingamajigs, which are a random list of questions that I've just kind of added to that I just like to ask each guest at the end. I just kind of select a couple from the list. Just, it's like your answer tonight, you know, will not hold you to it. I mean, if I asked you this tomorrow, you'd probably see something else. So just whatever pops into your head. So if you don't mind, I'll ask you a few. So, can you finish the sentence? When I was wee, I... Fell out of a car. Oh, my word. A moving car? Yeah. Oh, my word. Right. Well, you have to, you have to elaborate, please. Um, if you, those of you that um, know me, you, you may have met me before and noticed that there is a little, little scar right in the middle of my forehead. And okay. I was, um, I talked so highly of my granddad. Um, but, but one day... My granddad wasn't actually um, the responsible adult that he normally is. And he allowed me to um, hang out of his uh, back window while he was driving along the road. And I lost my balance and I fell out of the car as I was driving along the road. And I split my forehead open. And as you can imagine, when you cut your head, uh, especially on your forehead, then your face gets totally and utterly covered in blood. And so... They stopped the car <laughs> and he picked me up and looked at me and obviously you couldn't actually see my face because I was completely enough to covered in blood and it looked like a horror movie. Um, but yeah, when I was wee, I fell out of a moving car. Wow, that is very dramatic. See, this is what I love about the hanging jigs because I had no clue you were going to say that. Yeah. And now the next time I see you in person, I'm going to have to notice that be scar. You might notice it. Jeez, wowzers. That's a story. Nobody's ever said that before. Oh, this one just came up and I was like, yeah, I have to ask you this. Um, if you had one extra hour of free time, how would you use it? I would play golf. Interesting. I would play golf because um, golf is, and, and don't for a moment think that I'm amazing at it, but um, I like to just switch off and the only kind of way I can do that is to switch off by by playing golf um the question that i ask everyone because it's called the bra and the brave and i do massively appreciate the name of your band Bahuki, of course um is um what's your favorite scots word or phrase um i actually and i don't know why this jumps into my head but i sometimes use the phrase heed the ball <laughs> no i thought you were gonna say i can't imagine you saying that no I sometimes call people or describe someone as being uh, a bit of a heat the ball. <laughs> That's what I would say. 
And I don't use it very often, but it's a pretty descriptive phrase. Really, I, I see. Kind of nails it. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I use it the odd time. Fair enough. Well, Neil Thompson, this has been an absolute joy. I can't thank you enough. Thank you so much for your energy and just all the the, the joy that is you and what you do. I'm delighted we got to do this. And um, yeah, I'm excited for Symphonics. Great. Thank you for having me. Great to, great to see you and speak to you. I hope you enjoyed today's episode of The Braw and the Brave, a podcast about people and their passions. Join us next time for more insight and inspiration from my wonderful guests. Bye for now.